All right, well, one, welcome everyone today, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online, honored to be in God's house together. And also wanna take a moment as I do every single week and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. And I just wanna remind us, uh, wherever we are, whatever we've done, God still loves us, he still believes in us, and he still has a plan for us. And so come on, Defiance, help me welcome my church family today. So good. Well, we are closing up shop on our sizzling summer series today. I hope you have had as much fun as I have throughout this series where we've just had different communicators sharing a fresh word to the church throughout the summer. I'm super grateful for all the pastors and leaders who spoke into us these these past uh, few weeks. And today, uh, I wanna talk to us about a subject that a hundred percent of us deal with. One hundred percent of us deal with what we're going to talk about today. And the title of the message is Watch Your Mouth. Come on, help me preach today. Look at, the, look at your neighbor and just tell him, watch your mouth. Just tell him right now, watch your filthy mouth. <laughs> Man, we, the truth is we've all had a problem with our mouth at one time or another, but to make it a little easier for us to digest it, how many of us had that one friend who just couldn't keep his mouth shut? Anybody besides me just could not keep it together? And uh, I just, I'm just curious, has your mouth ever gotten you into trouble besides me? Anybody? Uh, I think we, we've all, like the old saying, we've all put our foot in our mouths multiple times. I'm just curious, but how many of us would say in the past few days, maybe a few hours, maybe a few minutes, uh, we have said some, something has come out of our mouths that shouldn't have. Come on, raise your hand. If, that's, if you're not raising your hand right now, you are a liar. You are absolutely lying in church because we've all had things come out of our mouths that shouldn't have, and then we try to smooth it over, fix it, and somehow make it better. And so today, I just want to dive into God's Word and and study Scripture and see, man, how can we watch our mouths? Now, before we jump into uh, the Bible, uh, I was reminded of this story of this young man who was working in the produce department at his local grocery store. And one day a lady came up to him and said, hey, where can I buy a half a head of lettuce? And this young man was just super frustrated by this question. He said, a half a head of lettuce? Are you serious? Like God only grows them in whole heads and that's exactly how we sell them around here. And the woman replied, you mean to tell me after all the years that I've been shopping at this grocery store, you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce? And the young man still frustrated. He said, well, I guess I can go ask my manager if he'll allow it. And she said, I would appreciate if you would do that. And so he walks to the front of the store and he finds his manager and he says, you won't believe this. There's this lame braided idiot of a lady in the back of the store who wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. 
All of a sudden, the manager's eyes get really big as he starts to look beyond the young man, realizing there was someone standing behind him. The, the young man turns around only to discover that the woman had followed him to the front of the store, and he quickly responds, and this nice lady wants to buy the other half a head of lettuce. Later on in the day, the manager pulls the young man aside and says, man, that was some of the, the best on your feet, quick thinking that I've ever seen in my life. Where'd you learn how to do that? And the young man said, well, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, it's known for its great hockey and ugly women. All of a sudden, the manager's face flushes red with anger, and he said, my wife is from Grand Rapids. And the young man immediately responds by saying, and what hockey team did she play for? Come on, we've all said some things that we shouldn't have said. Watch your mouth. You know, I, I remember growing up as a kid, and my parents had to tell me multiple times, watch your mouth. In fact, anyone besides me ever have to have, when you were a kid, your, your mouth washed out with soap? My parents tried that multiple times, and I'm happy to report it did not work at all. But we've all said things that we, we shouldn't have said, and as we talk about our words, let me just give us some statistics uh, to paint the picture for where we're going today. Did you know that on average, Men speak about 7,000 words per day. Now, that might seem like a lot of words until we discover how many words women speak on average, because women speak about 20,000 words per day. Don't argue with me. This is science, people. This is science. On average, though, a person speaks in their lifetime over 860 million words. Now, the reason why these statistics are so important is because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Ladies, that's not good. I'm just saying right now. But the one who controls his lips is wise. And so today, I just want to study what, what does the Bible have to say about how we can control our lips and watch our mouths. And one of the, the best examples in, in Scripture was written by Jesus' brother, James. James wrote an entire book in the New Testament, self-titled, the book of James. And actually throughout his entire book, he deals with this issue of watching our mouths. In fact, chapter three of his book really deals with it. And so we're gonna read some of the scriptures and what he said. So let's take a look. James chapter three, starting in verse two. James says, we all stumble in many ways. I, I love it. Right out of the gate, James is saying, we all mess up in a lot of different ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Notice the correlation between what we say and keeping our entire body in check. James says, if we can control what we say and never slip up and we're perfect. Now, not perfect in that we do everything right, but that word perfect in the Greek is the Greek word teleos, and it literally means mature and healthy. 
Like, in other words, when we're able to watch our mouths and control our tongues, there's a maturity about us. There, there's a healthiness that we have. And why is this so important? It's because what area of our lives do we think our words impact the most? It's the area of our relationships. It's our marriages, it's our families, it's our friendships, it's our coworkers. And I was just thinking in my own life, and maybe you can relate, but I wonder how many of our relationships have been either strengthened or sabotaged just because of our words. Now, having a, a healthy tongue and a maturity in the, in the words that we choose to, to say is a process. Everybody say process. And I love getting around new believers, those who have just started their journey with Jesus because it never fails. They'll, they'll say a phrase when I'm talking to them or they'll slip up and a cuss word will come out of their mouths and immediately say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to say that. And, and every time I'll say, no, 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 no worries, man. I, I understand that watching our mouths is a process that takes time, but how many of us know in that process we want to make progress? And so let me just give us kind of a foundational thought to help us make some progress in this process of watching our mouths. And that's simply this, that not everything that comes into our minds needs to come out of our mouths. Let me say it again for the people in the way, way back. Not everything that comes into our minds needs to come out of our mouths. Or we could say not everything that comes into our minds needs to come out on social media either. There's a, there's a, that there's a mature, healthy process that needs to take place in what we say. And James is teaching us in chapter three that this small thing called the tongue has a huge impact on our lives. Take a look, verse three through six in James chapter three. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, man, to, to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong wind, winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Did you know that the average adult tongue is three inches long? Everybody play around along with me today. Everybody goes, ah. Come on, do it in the back. I know you're not playing around. Ah. How many of us can touch our, our nose with our tongues? I don't have that gift either. But if we were to measure, and I know the average adult tongue is three inches long, but if we were to measure our tongues on the impact it has on our lives, most of our tongues would look more like this. <laughs> How creepy is that? I'm just saying. But it's disproportionate in size because it does so much damage. Like we can, all, we can all remember growing up as kids and that one person said that one thing and we never forgot it. Maybe it was a parent that said you'll never amount to anything or a coach that said you don't have what it takes or maybe it was a peer, another student who pointed out a physical flaw that we had. Your ears are too big. Your eyes look funny. You're too short. And they said something and we never forgot it. Like we can be having 
the best day ever and someone can say one careless word and it ruins our entire day. Why? Because our words have power. They have the ability to change our lives. And it's not just the words that other people say to us, but it's also the words that we say to ourselves. In fact, I would say that's even a greater hindrance or help in our lives, the self-talk and the things that we say to ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm harder on me than anybody else. In fact, I, I say things to myself that nobody else would even dare say to me, anybody else. I don't have what it takes. I don't measure up. I struggle with those things. And I just want to point out today that our words might seem small, but they have a huge impact on our lives. James goes on to say in verse five, consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. That little thing that's three inches long corrupts the entire body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. And if we've ever wondered why maybe all hell seems to be breaking loose in our lives, like it seems like it's just problem after problem after problem, it might be because we've set it on fire by our careless words. Like we have to learn how to control our tongues, to control what we say so that we can navigate our lives in the direction that we want to go. James goes on to tell us in verse seven of, of chapter three, it says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Yet, no human being can tame the tongue. Isn't that interesting? We can tame all these giant animals, all these different things to do what we want them to do, yet no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, if this was a self-help talk, we'd probably just end right here uh, and say, sorry, there's just nothing we can do about it. There's, there's no way we can tame our tongues. But the truth is what is humanly impossible is always divinely possible with God. So there's hope. Verse nine says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. That our words are a big deal. And so uh, I just wanna give us real quickly today, I wanna give us three principles that we need to know to help us watch our mouths. You ready to go? Come on, number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We need to know this principle, and that is simply, number one, words are powerful. Come on, words are powerful. They might seem small, they have a huge impact on our lives. I mean, our words have the ability to change our environments. I mean, have you ever had that person walk in and what they said changed everything in that situation or that circumstance? Our words have the ability to transform relationships. I don't know how much marriage counseling I've done over the years, and one of the, the greatest things the couple could do to fix their marriage was simply in the way that they talk to one another. 
They had such life-taking words in their relationship. And if they would just make this one adjustment and start speaking life to one another, encouraging one another, believing in one another, it changed the entire course of their relationship. But at the same time, how many of us know our words can destroy relationships, destroy our business? What we speak really does matter. They even found this out to be true in uh, the scientific world. Japanese scientist Masaru Emoto did an experiment which many books and articles have been written based off of this experiment that he did in the late 1990s. Masaru tested the crystallization of frozen water through the use of positive and negative verbiage, which I don't even know how you come up with an experiment like that, by the way. I just want to say it like, you know what? I think I'm just going to talk to water today and see what happens. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know. But I guess, you know, so <laughs> this is what he did, though. And so what he decided to do, he got two, two groups of frozen water. We could call them ice, if you will. And, and for 24 hours in a controlled environment, he spoke positive uh, phrases and words to one. And then he went into another controlled environment to the ice and he spoke negative phrases and words. And the results were astounding. In fact, take a look at what happened when he spoke positive words to this block of ice, this water. Take a look what happened. It crystallized almost in the form of a, of a snowflake, if you will. It was clear and he was blown away as it started happening. I, I can only imagine like you're sitting there with the ice. You're so awesome ice. <laughs> So, so many characteristics we love about you. We love putting in your mouth and letting you melt and you just, we love you and iced tea and pop and, and on and on. What do you do for 24 hours? I would love to get the videotape on that, right? Like, I would have ran out of things, as positive things to say about ice uh, in five minutes. But that's why I'm preaching this to me and letting you listen today. I need to grow in this area. So he was blown away, blown away by these results. But take a look what happened when he spoke negative phrases and negative words for 24 hours. He got a complete, it, it turned colors. It, it was a completely different result. And there have been so many books written on this idea of how powerful our words truly are. By the way, the greatest book ever written called the Bible uh, says this about our words in Proverbs 18, 21. It says the tongue has the power of life and death. Like it's one thing to, to speak negative or positive words to water, but what happens when we speak positive or negative words over our lives, over our families, over our careers, over our abilities? What happens then? Either life happens or death happens. Come on, we need to take a step back and watch our mouths because our words have power. The tongue has the power of life and death in it. And if we're not sure what a deadly tongue consists of, let, let me just give us a few examples. The deadly tongue gossips. 
I just want to say this happens in the church as much as it does outside the church. We might disguise it a little bit better around here. We might say, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. You would not believe what she did. Let me tell you about it. And we never get to prayer. We just get to slander and gossip. How I many know oh, it's deadly? It's a deadly poison that tears relationships down. Another deadly uh, example of a deadly tongue would be complaining. Complaining is a toxic verbal pollution to our environment, man. It just kills everything around us. And I had this thought, when we complain about something, how many of us have discovered it never makes it better? Not once has my situation or relationship or circumstance gotten better when I just complained. And I've, I've complained hard on some different things. I mean, I've, I've really complained hardcore on something and it didn't make it better. How I many know it made it worse? Man, what if we would stop speaking negatively about our situation, if we would stop complaining about something, but instead speak positively, I think we'd be surprised how we would change things. You know, uh, my mother this past weekend, uh, a little over a week ago, she unfortunately fell. We were just walking to, to eat at a restaurant and uh, we're walking on just level ground. We weren't climbing any stairs. We weren't bungee jumping. It was not, it was just real, we were just walking on a flat concrete and poor thing fell and broke her hip. And uh, yeah, it was just not, not, not good at all and ended up having to take her to the hospital and, and then she had to get x-rayed. And if you've ever broke your hip, that's, those are the worst x-rays when you have to like move. Like, can't you just x-ray me from there? Like, I don't wanna move and, and uh, just a, a tough thing. And she ended up having to have surgery the next day and, and thank God that she didn't have to have a hip replacement. They just put a rod in her hip, which doesn't sound pleasing at all. Anyways, somehow that's good news. And, and she was, she's recovering really good. I do want you to know that she was up walking around the next day and uh, she's already back home and, and uh, they're, they're blown away by how many steps she's taking and how well she's doing. But I was just thinking back of that, that whole last week and what we went through and all that. And I cannot recall one time my mom ever complaining. I can't think of one, even when we are sitting in the ER and she's got a broken hip, she's making jokes about, I've been here before, I hope the food's good. You know, she's just cutting one-liners. The nurses are, are laughing. She's joking around with them. She's telling them things they don't really need to know. And she's not joking, but they're laughing. And I'm just, mom, just, it's cool. Let's let them operate on you. But not once did she complain about it. And I just couldn't help but think, like something that, that could have been a major situation, like a really big deal. And it is a big deal. I don't want to downplay it. But she just kind of like ran through it. Like she broke her hip and it wasn't even that big a deal. And she's back recovering and she's walking and she's doing really, really good. And I couldn't help but think a lot of that had to do with the power of her words. She just chose to be positive and not negative. She just chose, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to stay positive. And she just ran through a situation that could have been a lot more devastating to her. And Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. He said, do everything. The Greek word there literally means everything without complaining. That was, a, that was a pastor joke. But without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining. And then finally, let me give us another example of a deadly tongue. And that is a deadly tongue it has just, it's just careless, carelessness. Like we, we, we've all had those moments where we said something that was careless, where we just said what we were thinking with no thought of how this might affect or make someone else 
feel. And a lot of times this happens when we're just joking around or, or teasing someone and, and we don't think much of it, but our words do more damage than we realize. This is why it's so important for us to watch our mouths, to think about what we're saying. How, how will our words impact others? And let me give us a, a scripture that's really challenged me as I'm someone who likes to joke around. I like to tease. I like to have fun. And I don't know if you can relate, but sometimes I don't realize where the line is until that thing is way back there. I'm like, oh, was that the line? I just crossed it way back there, right? So Proverbs chapter 26, verse 18 and 19 like a maniac, see how I can relate to it already? Shooting flaming arrows of death, to put it bluntly, is one who deceives their neighbor and just says, I was only joking. Got me. I was just teasing. I was just joking. I didn't mean anything by it. Anybody else use those phrases with your wife? And, Jessica, and, and, I, and, and I've used that and unknowingly got, what am I saying? It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how that impacted you. I don't have to take responsibility for what I said because I was just teasing. I was just joking. And what I'm doing is I'm belittling the fact that our words have power, that we got to take responsibility for what comes out of our mouths. Words have power. We speak deadly words to others, and if we don't take responsibility for them, how we know we'll never change? Watch our mouths. I just want to say, our words are too powerful for us to be careless with them. We need to be life-giving in our tongue, positive in what we say. And so speaking of life-giving, let me give us some, some examples of what a life-giving tongue might look like. First off, a life-giving tongue compliments. Like if we see someone do something well, we compliment them. How many of us know we never outgrow the need for a compliment? You're never too old for a compliment. And if we need it, so does everybody else in our lives. You know, this, this past uh, week, we were just, uh, we, we like to celebrate um, Sabbath in our home, Shabbat. We went to Israel several years ago, and it just wrecked us to see this entire country shut down on Friday night, and families were in their homes, and they were eating together, and they were just doing, they just were taking a breath together, and they were praying over one another, and just, they were laughing together, and, and, and so when we came back from Israel, this is something we've uh, we've done for the past maybe four or five years now, every Friday night for the most part. We have 15, 20 people over at our house. It's like Thanksgiving meal. We have a huge spread of food and we just hang out and we laugh and we have a good time. And there's always a spiritual component. We'll, we'll talk about things we're grateful for. We'll share testimonies. We'll pray for one another. We always take communion. And this past Friday night, I think there's like 15 of us there. And I just had the thought like, you know what? Something I don't do enough is affirm or compliment those around me. I just don't say those things enough. And so uh, I said, Let, let's just go around the table and the person on our right, my wife was on my, on my left. Come on, somebody. Somebody say set up. The person on our right, let's just, let's just say something we love about them. Something that we just can't get enough. Something that's really good about them. And uh, let's just speak that. It's just one thing we just love about the person on our right. And I don't know why I'm blown away every time, but I am, because we just start, I think I'm blown away because we don't do it enough. And we just went around the table and said, hey man, I love this about you. I love, and there were tears, 
There, were, there was laughter. There was joy. I mean, we just, it was such a meaningful, deep, purposeful time around the table. And all we do is say one thing we loved about, the, we just gave compliments to each other. We affirmed one another the power in affirmation. Come on, somebody. Another example of a life-giving tongue is, a life-giving tongue encourages. The word encourage means to put in courage. Yes, you can. I believe in you. I believe in you, right? How many of you have ever heard that, that saying that the person who will impact your life the most isn't the person you believe in, it's the person who believes in you. This past week, I was watching a documentary on Alex Rodriguez, also known as A-Rod, the famous baseball player back in at least my era. And uh, I had never heard this uh, about his story, but he he talked about how when he was a freshman in high school, he actually got cut from his high school team. He said immediately after he got cut, a coach, and he named the coach, uh, I I can't remember the, the coach's name, but a coach came to him and said, hey, you're gonna have to work really hard, but next year, you're gonna make the team. And you're not gonna have a great year, you're gonna have a good year on the baseball team, but you're gonna have to keep on working hard. And the next year after that, you're gonna play for Team USA. You have to keep working hard, but it's not gonna be easy, but you're gonna play for Team USA, and then after you graduate high school, you're gonna be the number one pick in the MLB draft. And what's interesting is A-Rod told the story, he's like, that changed my life because I went on to do those very things. I made the team the next year, and I had a pretty good season, but it wasn't a great season. I kept working hard. The next year, I played for Team USA, and then when I graduated from high school, he didn't go to college. He was the number one pick. I think it was the 1993 MLB draft where he went to the Seattle Mariners, but he draws it all back to that moment where a coach came alongside him and encouraged him, put courage in him. And how many of us know the church needs to be a place where we encourage one another? Yes, you can. Yes, you. I see in you. I believe in you. God believes in you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing it. You're doing it, keep doing it. You don't realize there's power in your words. And as God's people, we're called to build each other up, not tear one another down. Finally, uh, just another example of a life-giving tongue. A life-giving tongue corrects in love. I mean, how I many a life-giving tongue doesn't avoid tough conversations? Doesn't mean we just always pretend like everything's great, but we correct in love. It does it with an attitude of love. In other words, the motivation is to help the other person get better. I think of a coach. I think of a teacher. They're trying to help the player. They're trying to help the student be better than they are. Let me say it like this. When we correct in love, we do it in a way that's best for the other person. I mean, we need to make sure that we, we are not speaking out of feelings or emotions or frustrations, but we're speaking out of facts and faith. James says it like this in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write this down. Remember it. Put it in your back pocket. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anybody besides me ever got those mixed up? Like I... I was fast to become angry, fast to speak, and slow to listen and messed everything up. What's some amazing advice that James is giving to us about watching our mouths? And so the first principle on how we can tame our tongues and watch our mouths is, is just to understand and know, man, words are powerful. Words are a big 
deal. We can't be careless with what we say. The second principle I wanna give to us today is number two, our words reveal who we really are. Our words reveal who we really are. And Jesus actually said it this way, Luke chapter six, verse 45, says a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's a powerful scripture that cuts right to the heart, doesn't it? Whatever our hearts are full of will eventually come out of our mouths. Our words reveal who we really are. Let me say it like this if you're taking notes. A person with a harsh tongue might have an angry heart. Someone who's just harsh day in and day out might have some anger stored up in their hearts. And how many of us know oftentimes anger is just a byproduct of pain? Anger is just a cover-up of, of pain. I've been wounded, I've been hurt, and now I have a harsh tongue to everyone around me. Let me give you another example. A person with a negative tongue might have a sad heart. I mean, God can heal that sad heart. God's close to the brokenhearted. The answer is for us to get some healing in our hearts. But maybe it comes down to, we're just negative in everything that we say. We always see what's wrong with something more than we see what's right with something. And we're just negative because our hearts are sad. Another example, a person with a boasting tongue might have an insecure heart. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this. I never have, but... uh, Why'd you laugh so quickly that you saw through that? I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but, but I have big ego, low self-esteem. Big ego, low self-esteem, and I'm always boasting about what I'm doing and how I'm better than this, and the truth is I have an insecure heart. And the answer is for God to touch the depths of who I am, that he would be my source. Another example, a person with a filthy tongue might have an impure heart. Maybe we've opened some doors to some things that we watch, what we listen to, what we've allowed or what we've allowed into our hearts has caused us to have a filthy tongue. And then, and then finally, another example is a person with a critical tongue might have a bitter heart. Just criticizing everything and everyone. Isn't it, isn't it powerful to take a step back and say, What's really going on in my heart? I know I keep talking about them. I know I keep talking about that. I know I keep criticizing this thing, but what's going on in me that all I can see is what's wrong with something and criticize everything? I might have a bitter heart. The truth is it doesn't matter what we might portray on the outside or how good we try to make ourselves look. If we're going to tame the tongue, we have to deal with the issues of our hearts. And a good place to start is praying this this prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51. It's actually a beautiful uh, song or prayer of repentance. And David said, create in me a new clean heart filled with clean thoughts and right desires. When I first became a Christian, uh, a mentor of mine taught me this, this song, basically singing this, 
this psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And I can't tell you how many times I have sang that in my prayer times, when I'm struggling, when I'm defeated, when my heart's wrong. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Not only are our words powerful, not only do they reveal who we really are, but finally today, number three, and that is our words are only controlled with God's help. Here's why I say this, and that is because there will be situations and circumstances where we're not going to want to say the right thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter how much willpower we think we might have, how much desire. Uh, There's going to be someone that mistreats us. There's going to be a there's going to be that person that cuts us off in traffic. There's going to be that person who who says that on social media. There's going we're going to come up against something where we don't feel like controlling our tongue. Therefore, we're desperate for God's help. And the psalmist said like this. I'll close with this passage of scripture, Psalms chapter 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a beautiful prayer for us to pray. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God. Now, what if we would pray this before we respond to what's happening in the world around us? Maybe before we were respond on social media, we'd pray this. Before we post that, we'd pray this. Before we argue with our spouse, before we make an excuse, before we gossip, before we complain, before we let a careless word come out of our mouths, that we would pray, God, let the the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I mean, we need to be careful with what comes out of our mouths. Our words are powerful. They reveal who we really are. And we need God's help in order to control them. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. That it's so relatable, so relevant with what we're dealing in our lives today. As we're praying together with every head bowed, every eye closed, could you just pray this prayer with me right right at your seat? Say, Holy Spirit, How do you want me to respond to the message today? The reason why we pray this prayer is because James tells us later on in his book that we don't want to just be hearers of God's word. We want to be doers. And we know God's word becomes powerful in our lives when we agree with it and when we apply it to our lives. So Holy Spirit, how do you want us to respond to the the message today? As we're praying together, Maybe you're here and you would say, man, I've struggled with watching my mouth. I've struggled with complaining. I've struggled with with gossiping. I've I've been careless with my words. I've not even thought about some of the things that I've said or how it impacts the people around me. I know words are powerful and they reveal what's in my heart. I need God's help to control my tongue. If that's you today, right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand and say, I've I've struggled with with my mouth. I've been complaining too much. I've been speaking. There's been too many life-taking things that have come out of my mouth lately. And I'm I'm done speaking death. I'm, I'm ready to start speaking life. Father, you see the hands in this place. God, you know what's in our hearts. 
I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to speak life, to watch our mouths. In fact, we pray right now in this moment, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to point out any time that you would bring conviction, that you help us to see it when we're just speaking life-taking things, when we're just speaking careless words, when we're gossiping or complaining. Holy Spirit, would you bring those things to our remembrance, that you would show us in those moments when we're speaking life-taking words. Then give us the power and the strength and the courage to speak life, to speak truth, that, that just because it comes into our minds doesn't mean it needs to come out of our mouths. God, help us to control our words. As we continue praying together today, maybe, maybe not only have you struggled with your words, but you struggled with your life. Your life seems out of control. And maybe, maybe today you need to say some of the most powerful words we could ever say, and that is, here's my life, God. I want to have a relationship with you. Forgive me. I want to know you and follow you and experience the abundant life that you have for me. And maybe you've walked with God at one point in time and you've drifted or maybe you've never said those words, but today is your day. Wherever you're at, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in a jail cell right now. Today is your day where God wants to bring you from death to life, to make all things new again. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 that, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall and will be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, anyone who is in Christ is a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And if you need to make that decision and say those words today, right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. I'm dedicating my life to you. I wanna know you. I wanna experience the life. I don't wanna just know you with my head. I wanna know you in my heart. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer and say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Today, here's my life. God, forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today.